John Lane's teaching on meditation. I'll speak about John Lane's teaching on meditation, the monastic roots of his teaching on meditation. I mentioned Cassian, the Cloud of Unknowing, Augustine Baker, of whom speak about this monologistos prayer, the prayer of one word. It's this monastic ambiance of the tradition that influences the way he teaches. He teaches meditation as a discipline, as an ascetical discipline, the transcending of the ego. He emphasizes the simplicity of this teaching, but also that it's not easy. And because it's not easy, we need community to help us to persevere with it, to learn. It's a learning process, he says. Fortunately, the meditation experience itself creates the community that allows you to, to grow and persevere with it. It's also obediential. For St. Benedict, obedience is the primary vow not just in the sense of doing what you're told in an institutional way, but in listening. The word obedience means to listen deeply to the word of God. So for him, meditation is the, the total obedience of the whole self, the whole person. And listening to the mantra is what brings us into this state of complete synchronizing with the wavelength of the prayer of Christ. And another aspect of the monastic quality of his teaching is the daily discipline of the meditation. In the monastery, we're used to the idea that you should go to all the offices. John Main translates that into the daily regularity of meditation. Integrate the meditation with your other forms of prayer, but do it morning and evening. His theology of prayer, which you'll find in his books and in his talks, prayer is transformation. It's the transformation of our mind and heart, the integration of mind and heart. It doesn't replace other forms of prayer, but it brings these other forms of prayer into uh, clarity and into deep meaning. After he had started to meditate in Washington again, he reread the uh, New Testament and the, the scriptures, and he read them hungrily and attentively and reacted very freshly to them and particularly to the letters of St. Paul and it was in St. Paul that he hears about the mystery of Christ in you the indwelling Christ we do not know how to pray but the spirit prays within us deeper than words so all of this became as it did for Cassian remember what Cassian says he knew that meditation was working on him because he was reading the scriptures from his own experience. He knew experientially what the scriptures were, were meaning. One of the key things, key words in John Main's vocabulary is experience. And it's very important to understand what he means by that. Not experiences, things that happen in meditation, highs you get, or consolations you get, or visions that you get, or something happening. By experience, he means an entering into the bigger, deeper, broader, indeed cosmic experience of Christ. Not just my own little experience, oh, I had a great meditation this morning, but uh, into the transformative experience of Christ. It is not our prayer, but the prayer of Jesus. And this is exactly what Cardinal Newman refers to. This is Newman's great idea as well is that 
in the Christian life. We move beyond notional assent, what Newman calls notional assent. So believing all these things with our heads, but not actually experiencing them. Newman uses the word real in his vocabulary. John Mayne used experience. John Mayne also believed in that theology of meditation that a personal change takes place. We see life not in terms of limitation, but in terms of potential, expansion. He's a fundamentally joyful person. And also, in one sense, he's rooted in the orthodox understanding that it is the resurrection, even more than the, the crucifixion. You can't separate them, obviously. But his starting point is the resurrection. Whereas in so much of Western Christianity, Latin Christianity, our starting point and often our ending point is the crucifixion. So his meditation had, as it were, given him a new center of theology, which was resurrection. He, and he saw the cross. He understood the cross in the light of the resurrection. And that's why I think you know, we can see the teaching of meditation as a form of evangelization. And maybe today, an essential form of evangelization. How else are we going to get this across what, to people? Except through the experience of personal transformation, which leads to community and to a new understanding of the relationship between the church and the world. John Lane was a churchman. He loved the church. He was desperately frustrated with it, but also believed in it and believed that it needed to be renewed, reformed, and set free from this institutional weight that had descended upon it. And as I said at the beginning, and I'll finish here, he was a monk. He loved being a monk, although his form of monastic life changed, as mine did. But that only brought him into a, a deeper experience of the monastic archetype in his own personal story. He saw being a monk as a liberation, as a joyful liberation, and as a grace. There are many forms of grace in your life, such as marriage or having children or building a major multinational corporation. All of those might be joyful and grace-filled experiences. Sometimes you can't put them all into one life. But for him, the monastic life was a grace, a gift. And his way of expressing that was as a community of love. And for him, community of love, and this is what brought me into monastic life because of the way it inspired me, that the, the whole purpose of the monastic experience is to create these centers of dynamic love in which the, the members draw each other out into the fullness of their own personal being. Not easy. He never said it was easy, but he always saw the joyfulness, the joyfulness of it. This is an oral tradition. The gospel is an oral tradition. It doesn't matter how many books you write. At the end of the day, what, what is transmitted in this tradition is person to person, heart to heart, eye contact to eye contact, physical being with physical being. Now, obviously, we need the media, we need the internet, we need books, we need all these forms to help us to do that. But I think if every one of us were to look into our own journey, we'd be able to identify key moments where this personal one-to-one -one encounter took place. 
That's why community is so central to the monastic life and to the teaching. But there's a chapter in this book, The Expanding Vision, which is an article, Reflections on Christian Meditation, from John Cassian to John Main by Adelbert de Vogue. Adelbert de Vogue was a great monastic scholar, a French scholar, died a few years ago. This is a very thoughtful, nuanced appreciation of John Main's place in the historical monastic tradition. This is a very traditional scholar speaking, but so traditional that he's radical. He sees that what John Main is doing in terms of Benedictine tradition, and not all Benedictine monks would agree with this, but John Main returned to a source of the rule, that's the Cassian, to supply for a lacuna, a gap, something missing in the rule, which is left open or imperfectly filled by those who make use of it. So John Main, by going back to Cassian, who is a source of the rule, is able in contemporary form of the tradition to supply a gap in the rule. It's not entirely a gap because Benedict points to Cassian. But it is effectively a gap in the rule. The absence of a method of contemplative prayer corresponding, as Adelbert de Vogue says, to the Jesus prayer of the Orthodox Church. We didn't have it. We had the rosary. For some people, that's perfectly useful, good, sacred. But we didn't have in the Latin Church the prayer of the heart, a method of the prayer of the heart corresponding to the Jesus prayer of the Orthodox Church.